On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. The Backstreet Boys had like the same level of talent that myself and my <laughs> girlfriends did in our like grade six talent shows. This is Talkin' Audio. We're not here to take part, we're here to take over. Nice to be back in the garden, man. Eh? Woo! Hello and welcome to Tall Can Audio. I am Michaela. He is Matt. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tall Can Audio. I feel like I'm in my 90s. You can find us at Facebook and Twitter or on Facebook and <laughs> Twitter, How, whatever the kids say. Yes, you can find us on Friendster. <laughs> you cannot uh, find us on Friendster. No, please don't go. And if, if you find Friendster, you know, let us know. I'm yeah, sure seriously. it's a very interesting place there. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Matt, how you doing today? I'm great. Um, you know, doing all right. Uh, I was sort of uh, hanging out before the show, and I want to ask you, Ooh. what is how eclectic? Let's let's get personal with screeds. How eclectic is your music collection? Are you a a one lane kind of person or you sort of we know Shania is in your lane we have learned that as we've moved along here um, but I'll tell you as I was having a beer and, and getting ready to do this show I just sort of hit my entire library and hit shuffle I didn't really have a mood nothing specific I was looking for so it was just like let's see what comes up and I'll hit you with a couple of uh, the last one that was playing just while we were firing this up uh, was a song called Movies by Alien Ant Farm. Uh, they did have God. more than the one cover of um, uh, Smooth Criminal, which was obviously their their big hit, their, I guess, only hit. They did get another song on the radio briefly, and it was called Movies. So I was listening to that. Uh, I had some Pink, had some Rage nice. Against the Machine. Um, what else was going on? There was a lot happening. We were bouncing around. There was some Eminem in there um, against me, which I, I can't get enough of these days. How eclectic is Michaela's music collection? Or would it be all kind of one? I kind of see how these all connect together. Honestly, it's about as diverse as you can imagine. Okay. Like I, I just pulled up my, uh, my Apple music to give mm-hmm. you some context. Like, I think I mentioned it before, but I, uh, my husband and I collect vinyl records because right. we're one of those awful hipster couples who got a, <laughs> a record player. 
And like, if you go through our records, we've got about 50 of them okay. and it, we tend to only buy records that we really like, mm-hmm. right? Records. We know we like albums. We know we like for kind of, as I've heard this one finish. before. No, I love it. Now give me the best exactly. version of it. Exactly. And that, like, even that range is big time. You know, I'm a big Florence and the Machine fan. Like, okay. if I had to pick, like, favorite band or artist, sure. it would probably be Florence. Uh, Fleetwood Mac as well is up there. Yeah. But then, you know, you've got Neil Young. We've got some oh, Drake. Nice. Uh, we've got Michael Jackson, uh, the the Black Crows. We've got um, uh, Glorious Sons. Uh, Queen, Guns N' Roses, ACDC. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. I, like I, I, I cannot stress this enough when I say, like, I'm all over the map. If I had to pick one genre, mm-hmm. it would probably be, like, some variation of alternative rock. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, define alternative as you will. But, like, sure. if you... You know, if we're for the for those who are listening who live in Ottawa, if you had to like gun to my head, you can only listen to one radio station for the rest of your life. It'd be Live eighty eight five. Okay, but it's not I'm, even the like, one you're I'm on, that, eh? Like, let's Jr. Hope you're not listening to this one, buddy. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I guess I should have. Cho- I mean, FM radio, of oh, course. Oh okay, uh, yes. music, <laughs> just just music. Oh god, please don't fire me. Um, <laughs> so like, if I had to pick a genre, it would be that. But like, yeah. I, I'm just going through like if you, if you look at the artists that I have in my in my collection, right. Uh, it ranges from ABBA to Aerosmith <laughs> to Alexis on Fire and the, the Arkells. It's pretty this clear. This is just the A's. This, yeah, I was just going to say, it's pretty clear. You've opened your library and they are stored there in alphabetical order. Um, yeah. That's, uh, it goes all over. Now, I will say this. like I'm, I'm not... There are a few genres that I don't care for. Okay. Um, and, and my... My my take on country music is very interesting because you mentioned Shania, obviously, mm-hmm. like obviously. she is the queen. Yes. We, we, we must worship. <laughs> um, and I grew up in a small town. And so when you grow up in a small town, inevitably, you will go through a country music phase. And I resisted Seconded. this for most of my life. I hated with a burning passion country music minus Shania. Right. And then when I got to university, I, I went through a, a moderate call. Uh, uh, country music phase and, and i'm talking like modern country like brad paisley carrie underwood yeah. miranda lambert and and i've i've come out of that phase and i do not like it anymore <laughs> but every now and then it's kind of like my trashy tv yeah okay it's it's my guilty pleasure especially in the summer mm-hmm. like if i'm having a beer on the patio i'm like i'm gonna go for some brad paisley right now yeah. um i will listen to it once i will get anybody, it out of my system can anybody see me no all right i'm doing this no, no exactly <laughs> like this is a behind closed doors right this is what i this is my guilty pleasure for sure I, and I do it once and I get it out of my system and I don't listen to country music again for a year. <laughs> uh, like that being said, I've seen Carrie Underwood in concert four times. So I did go through, <laughs> I did go through quite a country music phase, okay. but just to give you a sense of like how diverse my, mm-hmm. my collection is. And it sounds like you're, you might be up the same. Yeah. I just alley. kind of, yeah. it, I'm sort of past the, the guilty pleasure thing. No, I just, I like what I like and I'm not embarrassed by there you go. Um, by most of it. Um, <laughs> it's cool to like the Backstreet Boys again, so I'm really no, happy about it's, that. Uh, it's always cool. Okay, see, I had a couple friends. I think it was at Blues Fest two years ago or something. They were just here not that long ago. Yeah, they were. And it never really occurred to me. Like, they took some pictures and, and posted them on social media. And you still hear now and then if you're listening to the wrong stations, the Backstreet Boys music, and you're just like, all right, well, it is what it is. It wasn't until I saw the pictures where I was like, oh, no. And it wasn't that any one of them was in, like, terrible shape or anything like that. 
but it's just very different when you're like 45 and doing those dance like when it's hidden and it's your music and it's on the radio and you're like yeah this is still you know if that's your if that's your scene you're like cool but it's not like a band who travels well into their 60s 70s whatever in some cases where at least you're still standing there playing your music if you're a boy band in your mid 40s trying to still dance and what it I guess if you love it, you love it, and who am I to judge? But I was looking at these pictures going, oh, oh, dear, right? Like, this is not good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like, you'll always look cool playing a guitar. Yes. Uh, but you won't always look cool dancing in unison if there's right. just five of you and your dudes in your 40s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or- like, it, I, I get that. And, and, it, and the Backstreet Boys, <laughs> I mean, now we're going to get down a rabbit hole. <laughs> but the Backstreet Boys, the one thing, like they were never known for their dance moves. Like NSYNC actually could move. Sure. Like if you watch them dance, you're like, okay, like they actually have some talent. The Backstreet Boys had like the same level of talent that myself and my <laughs> girlfriends did in our like grade six talent shows. Like they, they just didn't have good moves. So I can't imagine that those moves have aged well. And, right. and I'll admit, I wasn't at the Blues Fest concert and I, I haven't seen the Backstreet Boys live since I was 10. Um, I think that's I regret fair. it deeply, but oh, okay. uh, I didn't see it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see the, like, I can only imagine how it looks, but full disclosure, I, I haven't seen it. Well, and they, they, you know, like any, any well-managed, well-produced group like that, they did take a moment out uh, to perform one of their songs in Red Black's jerseys. So, yes. Thanks. They know what I do they're remember doing. those photos going around. Yes, yeah. they know what they're doing. So uh, the second question I have for you, this is the far more important one for this show. Are you back on the wagon, off the wagon, whatever that is? Uh, do we have a pint for today? Oh, yeah. Yes, we do. That sounds yes, like a Guinness. Do. Straight up. It that, is a Guinness. Uh, of course it was. Had that little gurgle at the end. That's a Guinness. Yeah, you can't hide that beer crack. It is very distinct. I figured, you know, as we record this on March 18th, it is the day after St. Patrick's Day. And uh, I may have enjoyed a couple of Guinness last night. uh, And I thought it would be applicable for the show today. So that is what I'm drinking today. Okay, love it. How about yourself? The uh, the Guinness is never out of place. Um, I'm not far off and, and no one will be surprised. Stop giving me shit in my DMs too. It's always a stout. Yes, it's always a stout. Like as long as it's stout season, I'm probably drinking a stout. That's what I like. Um, you like what you like, man. Uh, honestly. Don't, don't let people t- take away from that. I'm like, I, I get a couple DMs a week after. The, they're like, why do you always drink a stout? Because I like stout. Why do you keep listening to this show? Because you like this show. Yeah. Probably less now that I'm ripping people. But that, anyway. No one said they had to drink stout. Right. Just saying. Right. So, and I've been trying a little bit, whether it was with you last week, at some point last week, I had a a sour because it was nice out. I'm like, I'll branch out a little for the summer season that is gone again. Um, This is the Reaper. Back to um, the Five Paddles Brewing Company, which I've been kind of on and off of for a while. This is their, and I feel like they may have a couple. I'm, I'm not sure. They had a pile of, this is why I'm still working through my Five Paddles um, options and I had to start interspersing other things. It's a word, right? Interspersing. Yeah. Going with it. Um, yeah, uh, that's why I had to start mixing other things in for a while. I, I, it seemed like every show I was doing something from five paddles, but they, when I, when I made the order, they had like, I don't know, like 12 different stouts. I was like, I, I need to try all of these. So 
This is, yeah, the uh, the Reaper, a 6% oatmeal stout from Five Paddles Brewing Company out of uh, Whitby. And uh, that's what we're going with here today. Awesome. You know what? I think St. Patty's Day in particular, like even if people are going to rip on you for having stouts, and they absolutely shouldn't. Um, St. <laughs> Patty's Day in particular is like, that's a it's completely acceptable to drink any kind of stout. It doesn't have to be Guinness, right. but like, I know Guinness is kind of the signature drink, but I'll say this, it's all of it's better than green beer. Yeah, you're not down, eh? There, I said it. No, I'm not. I just like, and, and I'm not going to shame anybody like who three does down it. Thing. I, I know. I, I can't know believe that, she's going to say it. <laughs> oh, here it comes. I just, I, I don't think, unless you're drinking Coors Light or something like that, like adding green food coloring to beer, I have to imagine it, it's only going to take away from the flavor. Right. And I'd rather, um, me personally, mm-hmm. I would rather just drink a good beer than a green beer. Yeah, I, I can see that. I Like I had a Guinness on, uh, on St. Patty's Day. But um, it was a bottle instead of a can, and and so I poured it into a pint glass, and it just didn't come out very nice. Like there was no head, there's no like I, I don't know what the, and I was just yeah. This of, is very in particular is very finicky, particular right? at home. Yeah, like I I always get the tall boys, and yes. um, Normally you have I to do. like you can't just pour it; you have to dump it. Okay, like you have you've <laughs> got to turn the can like straight up upside down, right? And just go, oh, this is gonna overflow, but it it literally won't. It'll do that cascade thing that it does when you pour it in a pint uh, from draft, right? Um, so I don't know how it works in bottles, but I know that in cans, I used to find that same thing because I would pour it like I would, you know, an IPA or a sure. lager, trying to be as slow as possible. And my friend goes, no, 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 you have to do the Guinness pour. And apparently just turning it upside down, just dumping it right in there. Wow. It, it allows it to be at least closer. There's nothing like a Guinness on draft. Nope. You're right. Like that is a special thing. Um, but that at least gets you, you get that head, you get that nice kind of foam on top and the cascade as it all settles. That's, that gets you a little closer to that. Right. Okay. Well, live and learn. I'll, uh, I'll know for more beer lifestyle tips at, uh, crafted in the capital. Um, exactly. Yeah. uh, So, uh, this is fine. Um, I don't know. I've I've loved most of their stuff. This so far, uh, again, don't mind it, but it's nothing really to uh, to write home about. Uh, I also caught a little bit of flack on um, Tuesday. Uh, Hoffley was back. Our buddy from uh, Oseg uh, was on the show. Jumped in for uh, an emergency pod as, uh, as someone else had uh, had canceled. Um, so he was on for that and I was drinking the twilight hour stout from the Lake of Bays brewing company. And I said off the top that that's what I was drinking. And then Hoffley interjected as he does from time to time. And we never got back to what I thought of the beer. So for those who have asked a couple times, um, honestly, eh, it wasn't really that good. I've had way better coffee okay. stouts. Um, now I do like a lot of stuff from Lake of Bays. Their Sparkhouse Red, especially, is is a one that I circle back. Uh, one that I circle back to often, but uh, this wasn't that great. So we've cleared that up. That's good. I was dying to know. I know. Uh, <laughs> I did, I was curious though. I wanted to ask you, um, and I'm trying full disclosure. I'm, I'm I've pulled up Ridge Rock's uh, website trying to find it, but there's a new beer out from Ridge Rock that is a very interesting looking stout, uh, mm. indulgent tiramisu pastry stout. Would you try that now, or have you tried it? I have is not. my first question. 
Because that for the moment I read that, I thought, I wonder if Matt's tried this. It feels like something he would be very interested in. I am intrigued, but no, I haven't yet tried it. And it's been a while since I've ordered from Ridge Rock. So maybe that will have to be. Uh, I just sent a reply on Twitter um, a couple hours ago to uh, Graham Nichols, the sixth sends. And uh, was he was commenting underneath, I believe it was... I can't believe it's it's escaping. He was replying to a brewer that he had just ordered from and uh, said, I wish I had known this like two days ago when I placed my oh, order. Oh, the bicycle craft that's it, brewer. That's it. Yeah. I saw that, yeah. And I just f- said to him, like, this feels like something that happens to me every time I place an order. <laughs> it's like two days later, they're like, we're proud to unveil our perfect for Matt ale. And (laughs) but I just ordered two days ago, so I have not tried the uh, the tiramisu stout. You got to tell me about because I'm not forget the beer. I'm not sure I've ever had tiramisu before. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's an Italian dessert. Yes. Okay. It's got like the lady fingers. And I think uh, I could be wrong. There's probably someone who's Italian listening to this going. You couldn't be wrong. (laughs) Um, But it's a it's a collaboration that they did with Orleans Brewing Company. Okay. And uh, I, I, I just, I immediately thought of you when I saw it. So I highly recommend next yeah. next time you're you're looking for a beer to buy. I'd I think be very that's curious the way to go. That's next. There you go. It's yeah. a six, eight point five. Wow. Ooh. All right. Good luck with that. <sighs> yeah. See, this is what keeps <laughs> happening when I keep digging through my fridge. I'm like nine percent. No, not today. Ten percent. No, not today. <laughs> I'm going through that exact same thing right now because I, I think I've talked about my small batch dispatch mm-hmm. that I get once a month right, as my Christmas present, and I've been I've get I've gotten some amazing beers through them, but I always end up with a handful of IPAs that are like north of seven percent. Right. And so I'm. I'm particular of when I want to drink these, right? Like of course, it yeah. should probably be the only or one of two beers you're <laughs> going to drink that night just for safety's sake. And I haven't, I haven't gotten to them. So they're all accumulating now. Right. So every time I go to grab a beer, I'm like, okay, 9%, no, 8.5. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm 30, I'm 31. I have to be very careful. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I, I do get that. And I, I'm just sort of, a you know, as we pull back the curtain here, whether it's Michaela or whether it's Rob, um, when the show's over, they toddle on their merry way, probably to watch the Sens do uh, either beat the Leafs and Habs or lose to everyone else. <laughs> and I'm left here to put the show together. And so I need to maintain some semblance of, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what you'd call it, not drunkenness. Um, and so, yeah, I got to, pick my spots a little bit with the uh, the 10% beers that I'm especially yeah. since normally uh, most of these shows end up being two beer shows so that's true <laughs> so. I, we, I just keep talking let me ask <laughs> let me ask you this you have the controls and I, I do feel like I've asked all the questions here so far you you've got the roadmap on where we're going but I hadn't hit you with this yet and so I just want to put it out to you now just to get kind of your um, your sense of it earlier today which is Thursday as we record this um, the Yankees and Mets announced that uh, the New York state government is allowing them to go with 20% capacity uh, when they start the baseball season, which is, believe it or not, less than two weeks away now, or right around two weeks away now. Oh my God. Can't wait. Uh, so the Blue Jays are uh, opening the season at Yankee Stadium against the Yankees. Uh, so they will have 20% capacity. The Blue Jays will leave New York at the end of that series 
and go to play the Texas Rangers, who have no such limits. They are planning to sell that bad boy out at like 45000 or whatever it fits. And I wonder, keeping in mind that, you know, the Americans are well ahead of us in terms of getting people vaccinated, but not close to finished, what your initial kind of feeling is. Because I got to tell you, my skin still crawls a little like I'm just squirming a little bit that just and I wonder how much of that is just going to last for a while even well after we're vaccinated that it's just like uh, something about this feels weird I you know what's your kind of initial brush on seeing that more and more pro sports teams in the US are are, are going ahead <sighs> my my initial reaction just right off the hop is oh my god and and just of great discomfort um because yeah the the states are well ahead of the canada in terms of rolling out vaccinations but they still have upwards of fifty thousand cases a day yep right and and texas has just openly said we are pretending we're open yeah the the pandemic is over for us we're just going we're over it yeah and that like i I, I don't I, I don't know enough about state politics to know how each uh, state has handled the pandemic. Sure. I can guess yeah. um, just based on what I've seen. But, you know, I'm less, I guess, uncomfortable or grossed out by opening it up to 20 percent versus opening it up fully, like mm-hmm. especially baseball, where you can get, you know, 30, 40,000 people in a stadium. Right. They're just like, yeah, OK, no, we're done. Like, go ahead. Like that. that is a super spreader event if I've ever heard of one. Sure. And I, I like in a di- okay the the states are rolling out vaccines, but there's a lot of people in the states who probably aren't going to get the vaccine. Yep, because yep. they don't think it's real. Those are the same people who aren't wearing masks. Like, mm-hmm. it, it just makes me very uncomfortable. It's going to be weird to watch. Like, I I know I'm going to watch that feeling incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. The same way I did the Super Bowl. Like, I, I was very weird at it. just a little bit, and you're just like, ah, like I'm not there, but I'm still like, this can't be good, right? And I do think there's a part of me. Even after people way smarter than Major League Baseball executives have said that it's safe to go back and do these things, that it will still feel weird, right? Like you've been programmed for a little while now to just be like, I don't think that's a good idea. And I, that's been an interesting conversation for me to watch play out that let's say you're, do you want to go back yet? Like it, it. not yet, but once I'm vaccinated, are you in a rush to get to the next Leaf Sens game or the next Red Blacks game or the whatever? I think some of these franchises are going to have... I do think my first sporting event that I return to will be an outdoors one, probably a Red mm-hmm. Blacks game, right? Like the, there is, even after I'm vaccinated and I assume a majority, though, like you've said, not all of the city has been vaccinated, I, I probably will feel more comfortable outdoors um, but yeah, it, it just feels like one of those things that we had to hit everyone so hard to get them to understand with do not gather. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, okay, gather. Like, I don't want to. <laughs> like, no, it's going to be a slow reintegration. I think so. Like imagine, you know, fast forward, however many months or a year, whatever it is when we don't have to wear masks anymore. I, I still think mask wearing is going to linger around for a I while. I think you people are going to do it. I have nothing against that. Like you want to wear a mask in a grocery store from now on, go for it. Like yeah. I have nothing against that. Um, but as we start, you know, when, when 
the vaccine rolls out and, and we no longer need to, it is safe to go into a grocery store that a mask, like how weird is that going to feel? Or, or how long is it going to take, you know, any one individual to be comfortable going into a grocery store without a mask? Well, and even weirder than not wearing it yourself, like looking around and seeing that person down the aisle, not wearing it. And you're like, Oh, right. I forgot. That's not a problem anymore. But like your yeah. first reaction will be to judge them, right? Like, Oh, come on. Right. And you're like, Oh wait, no, it's okay. <laughs> like, it's going to be a long time. We've been so. like, it's been a year and then you pick up habits very yes, fast. Right. Yep. So I'm, I'm, you know, I haven't really wrapped my head around whether or not I'd go to a, a red blacks game this year. If I can, like sure. I am a season ticket holder. So if they do roll things out, if the vaccine goes as planned and, right. and they are able to, you know, I've, I've heard them, there's some speculation on, you know, a capacity, certain capacity. Will they make it just season ticket holders? Like who knows? Yep. I still haven't, I haven't really given it much thought mainly cause I don't, I don't like to give thought to things that I don't know for sure are going to happen sure. the same way. Like I haven't, I haven't set a date on when I might go on my honeymoon right. uh, or, or plan a trip outside the country. Like I just don't want to get my hopes up. No, you don't need that being taken away from you again. Exactly. It's a dangerous game to set, uh, end dates to this thing. We know that you a North sider or a South sider. Oh my God, Matt, this is a very tough question. I know. I know. I'm a South sider. Okay. I am a South sider. Yeah, Always right. have been. Yep. But, Oh, Okay, so here's oh, the thing. Oh, no. So the, the, we there's a thing. Outside. There's always a thing. Right? We were Southsiders from day one. We've okay. been season ticket holders from day one. I okay. love the Southside. It is the better place to watch a game. <laughs> and then one year, okay. we I don't remember what happened. We weren't going to get season tickets. I Full disclosure, I had lost my job that year. So it was like, you know, sure. is getting season tickets a smart idea? Right. No. And then we went to one preseason game, and we're like, oh, no, we're definitely getting season tickets. Yeah. We're not. Like we, we will move heaven and earth. We will, you know, forego groceries for a week if sure. we have to, <laughs> we will get season tickets. And we were able to save qu quite a bit of money going on to the North side and down the field a bit because our, our initial season tickets were on the South side, like 10 rows up from the field at the 40 yard line. Oh, wow, I think like, yeah. like, like just prime. And yeah. then we moved up a bit. We moved up to one of the higher decks and then the North side, was just going to be cheaper and and our like there wasn't a lot of availability on the south side that was going to be decent right you were going to be stuck in the top corner sure. it just wasn't going to be ideal so we we settled with the south side or with the north side sorry okay and so technically by definition i am a north side uh, yes you are i know but I'm none not of this by heart none of this by no okay i'm not happy about it no. i like the south side i will go back to the south side sure i'm covered in the <laughs> rain but if there is a gentle breeze that rain is still coming yes. to me like everyone who brags about being covered on the north side i'm like yeah but like you're only covered if you're sitting in a certain area and if it's yep. windy at all you're still getting yeah, it hit. doesn't help you at all anyway that is a very long-winded way to say i'm technically a north sider snob i don't feel good about it <laughs> I don't feel good about it. The South Side rocks. South Side forever. It's good to share. I will die on that we hill. Know, uh, um, <laughs> between your music stuff and, and your North Side, we've gotten to know Screeds a little better here this, Yeah, this is like open book shrides right now. Like I'm letting it all hang out there. Yeah. If you see Carrie Underwood four times, y'all yes. didn't ask for me to know that. Um, but let's get into, you know what? Let's get into some sports talk, sure. shall we? Sure. Uh, the first thing I wanted to hit on, because it's been a couple days now, um, 
was the Eric Carlson comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sens fans were a, a, a blaze um, when Eric Carlson made some comments about, you know, uh, to, to paraphrase what he said. Uh, this, you know, I, did, I didn't sign on to, to San Jose to, to go through a rebuild and to go through what I did for 10 years in Ottawa. Um, that's kind of not what I signed up for kind of thing. Cause the San Jose Sharks are two points ahead of the Ottawa senators right now. So they're very firmly in the, <laughs> the running for a, dra- a draft lottery position. Yeah. Um, I want to hit just real quick. Cause I, I know that it's been a little while now and people have, have broken down these comments like crazy and we're going to get into another layer of it. But I did just want to say, like I, I went and watched the video mm-hmm. and I will say that this is definitely a situation where the written word looks a lot worse than the spoken word. Almost always does. Right. Right. And if you listen to the question that he was asked, like the guy frames it as, you know, I imagine this isn't what you were, what you and Doug Armstrong talked about when you got here, when you signed here. Right. Like he kind of set him up to basically say this, like, was this why you joined here? No, this is not here. Like I, I, I'm not overly concerned about the comments. He did also, um, the uh, Wally and, and Mathot show, uh, they released a, a clip because they had Eric Carlson on their show this week, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. And uh, he kind of said, like, listen, it was taken out of context. I didn't mean it as bad as it sounded. So right. overall, I'm not overly concerned about the comments, but it, it was the fallout from the comments that got kind of interesting. And, and you sent me this clip from dropping the gloves, which admittedly I'm not familiar with this podcast, um, where John Scott, you know, basically said, they're in a rebuild position because of you, Eric Carlson. Yeah. Um, and we'll drop the audio in here so people can hear for them. And this isn't yeah. one of those things where it's lost to text to interpret you. your own tone. This is um, John Scott, former NHL player, essentially placing the sole blame for the San Jose Sharks um, on Eric Carlson. We'll put that in right here. Darren Dreger reaches millions of people. <laughs> and so he. He goes, well, Doug Wilson is probably thinking the Sharks didn't sign on for six more years of your level of play, Eric Carlson. Just like shot across the bow to Eric Carlson. Rightfully so. The guy hasn't done anything in his time at San Jose, and he's sitting there complaining that he didn't sign here for a rebuild. You're the reason for the rebuild, Eric. You're the reason Doug Wilson is having to do this. You are the sole reason. It's you. Not anybody else. It's you. There's a mirror. Go look at your perfectly coiffed pirate haircut and beard and mustache and just say, I'm the reason we're rebuilding. If you would have shown the type of player that you were in Ottawa when you came to San Jose, you might have a Stanley Cup ring on your finger. And then he also, he he does say something about Eric Carlson's appearance. Like he mentions that he looks like a pirate or something with his mustache and hair. And like, I don't know. I just, the minute he said that, I was like, okay, you lost me. Like, I'm not listening to you anymore because no. you're just being a bully. Like, there's nothing to Sean do. You know, Scott, like, a bully? <laughs> no, who could have foreseen? And, like, I was very pro-John Scott during the whole All-Star Game situation. And uh, I've see, got... I was not. I hated that whole thing. Now, oh, I, didn't hate, oh, I didn't hate him because he's not out lobbying for it. He's not out... I hated this whole... And I guess we're heading down a whole other road here. So I'll, I'll oh, just... Yeah. But just... I Settle hated in this. this two beer show. This, yeah, exactly. This to that to me was let's pick the worst player in the league, and it'll be hilarious if we vote him into the the All Star game. And it just seemed very. Now he was a hardworking player, like anybody who makes it that far. He, you know, had earned his career. All these things. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a huge issue with him. 
I just thought the whole premise was stupid. I I didn't like it, but I'm, oh, I've been told 100%. I hate some things. So <laughs> it was I was with you right up until the NHL pushback. Sure, when the NHL pushed back and said, "Hey, would your daughters be proud of this?" I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, Lord. no, no." You I'm left this door open. You don't get to weigh in, NHL. No. Right? Like you allowed this. You hate almost as much as me anything fun. Apparently, um, no. I I agree with that. And it became fun. Like it 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 went from you're absolutely right. Fans trolling the NHL to yeah. let's get the worst player in the league right. in the All Star game because you allowed this to happen to the NHL trying to ruin it and then fans going oh no wait we would die for this now yeah um, and and that's kind of I followed that track exactly okay. like I was I was firmly on the John right. Scott train because of the NHL because of the way the NHL you know the way they traded him and then Montreal sent him down to so the minors like yes. come on no. man. And it did end up being a really fun weekend. Like, like most people wouldn't have tuned into the All Star Game that year if if it hadn't played out that way. So I will, you know, the NHL ended up benefiting from it. Um, but all that is to say, uh, you know, John Scott is who he is. We we have a sure. firm picture in our mind of the kind of NHL player he was, and and here he is, like one, I, I, like. I'll, I don't want to get too much into these comments, but it was just the comments about Eric Carlson's appearance that I was like, is that necessary? Like, no, I, it's I completely get completely beside the point. And, and like, this is why I hate hockey culture. If we have a player who doesn't fit the exact mold of what we view as a hockey player, mm-hmm. we throw him under the bus for various reasons. For like you know, Don Cherry had how entire segments about, how dare you? How dare you have a personality or, or you know, look different than your average white guy? How dare you? And also, how dare you knock Eric Carlson's flow because it is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, the comments of, you know, we're in this position or San Jose is in this position because of you, Eric Carlson. Where do you stand on that? Um, I, I got to be careful. There are two possibilities here from where I stand on John Scott's comments. One, he's dumb as fuck. (laughs) I don't think that's it. That's an Ivy League educated man who carved himself out a great career, knew what he had to do to make that career happen. So I don't believe that is what's happened here. But that is one of two possibilities from where I stand. The second is I need to say some outrageous shit to get people to listen to my show, which until this week, I'd never heard of. I didn't know he had a podcast. Now, he doesn't know I have a podcast, so this isn't a pissing match where I expect. But, you know, you and I talked last week about uh, the Wally and Mathot show and and Mark Mathot. I'm going to say something crazy in favor of the Sens that downplays the Leafs because I'm trying to draw some audience here. Now, at least what Mathot says or had said exists in the realm of possibility. But to me, those are the only two possibilities for what John Scott said in that clip we played for you a little earlier. He's stupid or he knows I have to say something crazy to get people to listen. And this was the first time I'd ever heard of his show. And I did listen to the clip. I didn't give it the time of day to go find any more of it because I didn't feel it warranted that. So it's probably the second one where I really take issue is the idea that Eric Carlson 
is solely and he uses that phrase it's your fault it is solely singularly eric carlson's fault and then i get bogged down on that your words have to matter you have to care what you're saying you have how could it possibly be just there if you want to blame his contract then at least part of that is doug wilson's fault and Doug Wilson made the trade, which dealt half of San Jose's future to Ottawa. And you're starting to see it flourish in Ottawa. Um, you also saw Doug will maybe the Eric Carlson contract would be digestible if Doug Wilson hadn't also given Mark Edward Vlasic the contract from hell and paid Brent Burns till he's 106 years old and had 897 Martin Jones locked up long term. The fact that. And this is where I, I, I have to at least allow myself the room to move back to my first possibility, which is that John Co- Scott might be dumb. Because when you say the fact that the Sharks are in this position is singularly Eric Carlson's fault, I don't take this lightly. I don't say this without understanding the full scope of what I'm about to say. That is amongst the stupidest things I've seen on Twitter ever, ever. And Twitter is a very stupid place. So. It is a very stupid place. <laughs> it's also objectively untrue. Of course like, it is. For the reasons you just listed, like, I'm sorry, Mark Edward Blasic, you're getting $7 million a year and you have four points. Like, oh, he's not part of the problem. Uh, no. Yeah. Devin Dubnik wasn't the Carlson's. solution. All Carlson. Devin Dubnik wasn't the solution at goalie. Who could have foreseen that? I can't that? imagine. Like, like, Doug Armstrong wears all of this. And I will say, like, Doug okay, Eric Carlson is making... Doug Wilson, sorry. Yep. Um, uh, Eric Carlson is making the most money on the team. $11.5 yeah, million. Dollars. You wear some of, of that. He, he's got 10 points in 23 games. He has not been good enough, especially for that contract. That's right. But I have a hard time blaming players for their contract because if someone came up to me and said would you like 11 million dollars for what you do i would say absolutely yes, can i yes if i do a bad job that's on you yeah like you, you, you evaluated me poorly right don't blame me for taking the money and that's and, it and like eric carlson also like there's two levels of blame here right the sharks for thinking that this player who basically had his Achilles heel torn yeah. and had an entire foot reconstructed mm-hmm. is worth $11.5 million over eight years. Or thinking anyone and entering their 30s is worth that. At, over at, at their, exactly. Like in their late 20s when yeah. you're about to turn 30. Like, Don't come on, it. man. Do that not is do a, it. I, I get that on the, on the open market, he probably would have gotten that exact same contract elsewhere. But come on, man, yep. like you wear you wear a lot of that. Yep. The other layer of blame, and and, and this is more so if, if you take Eric Carlson's words for what they are, um, or or at face value, which again, I think they were taken woefully out of context. I do too. He also signed that contract when the vast majority of the core of this team was in their early 30s or mid 30s. Like you had to know where this team yep. was heading. Yes. Come on, man. You 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 had to see some of the writing on the wall. Yeah, you took the and money. Yet, it was you on its way to, down. You 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 had a, a run to the to the conference finals, yeah. and 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 you know you chose to make eleven million dollars for what you do and and live in California. Like not a lot of people are going to criticize you for that nope. for that choice, but you also can't be dumbfounded when 
a team built around primarily guys in their mid thirties is starting to falter. Right. Right. Like I, I, the blame is all over the map here. And that to me is the biggest thing that there's plenty of blame to go around. And that's why this clip got me so riled up. One guy saying, nope, entirely Eric Carlson's fault. You are the reason. Just stop. Even if this is all about creating a clip to pimp your show, this was a bad one. Because you look, this isn't even just hot take. This is just dumb. It's it's been bad play all over the place. It's been bad contracts all over the place. It's context like you referenced in terms of the whole team was over the hill before he even signed that contract. I I don't know I I don't care about Eric Carlson. I don't care about the Ottawa Senators. I don't particularly care about the San Jose Sharks. But for some reason I watched this and was I was riled up. Like I, this is stupid and I <laughs> and I don't believe John Scott is stupid. So I believe this was probably an attempt to, you know, blow up, right? To trend, to go viral. But when you do that, you should attempt to keep at least one foot in the realm of reality so we can all go, yes, I see your point. Instead of going, you're an idiot. Because again. And you have to make sure it doesn't get personal, right? right? Like have your hot takes all you want. Please attempt to back them up. Yes. But have your hot takes all all you want to get people to listen. But don't make it personal. And to me, that's what John Scott did. No, you're right. He made it personal. Yeah. Like this, and especially his tone. And I know I just talked about taking things out of context, but like we literally heard the words come out of his mouth. Yeah. And that's the totally, that's, that's completely different, right? Reading text allows you to form your own tone, right? Mm -hmm. You decide what con, uh, what tone they meant, what con, this isn't text this is a guy saying exactly what you heard him say and, it was and crap. like you know give credit to mark Mathot. he knew how to ruffle feathers without mm-hmm. making anything personal right like it, it was yeah no he didn't come out and be say within three years, three years like, stutzla will be better than matthews he said the sends will be better than the leafs and you go all right i i disagree with you but i see what you're doing and i we can have that debate whereas you just go nah all one guy's fault. Well, I don't even have time for your opinion then. Like, well, exactly. And, and you're right. I think this was an attempt to get people to listen to the show, which much like you, I had never heard of in my life. So there you go. At least hardly a commercial. Like, yes, I now know, but I'm not now interested in listening. Like Exactly. And this is a very good segue into our next segment, because speaking of podcasts, I will never listen to. Uh, let's talk about Barstool Sports and uh, the Spit and Chicklets podcast, shall we? I think that's <laughs> oh, fair. Yeah. Where do we start? Um, I don't know how much in detail, like background info we want to give, because this has been an ongoing saga for the week. But basically, Gord Miller, play by play for... Uh, announcer for TSN mm-hmm. said something to the effect on Twitter of, um, you know, I, I love the guys who host the spit and chicklets podcast, but I will never go on a barstool platform. Well, the only thing I'd interject there, because I, I, I do think it's relevant in terms of how all this started. He was asked, he didn't come out and instigate yes. this anti barstool stance. Um, every now and then when he's in an airport or just has some time to kill Gord Miller, what he calls opens his mentions. I don't know what that looks like to me. They're always there and I look at them and sometimes you people are very mean to me. Um, Gord Miller, I guess doesn't, 
And every now and then he does, and he opens them up, and it's a Q&A. And so someone said, when, like, paraphrasing, when are you going to be on Spittin' Chicklets? And as you've said, he then answers, I respect the guys who do that show, but anything tied to Barstool is a no-go for me. And if you're not familiar, uh, Spittin' Chicklets, a hockey podcast, uh, Ryan Whitney, Paul Bissonette, um, they got a whole crew over there. Under the barstool kind of corporate umbrella, which is very controversial. And so that was all he said was nothing personal against the guys who host that show, but I'm not going on a barstool platform. Yeah. And that unleashed. Oh God. Hellfire uh, on Twitter. And you know what? A lot of people and most of the people in my, in my timeline um, were praising Gord mm-hmm. Miller for Me being too. the first mainstream hockey dude to really stand up to Barstool, right. right? We've unfortunately, not a lot of people have called Barstool out publicly when, when they're in the, you know, the level and the position that Gord Miller is right. not a lot of people have, have publicly called out Barstool. So of course it was only a matter of time before this lovely, lovely man known as David Portnoy. Yeah. Decided to clap back, let's say, mm-hmm. and uh, head of Barstool, head of Barstool, uh, founder of Barstool, notable douchebag. Do, yeah, like, like <laughs> he is everything that you would imagine that Barstool is, right? Like he he is the reason. If you want to go back, and if you haven't already, I highly recommend just looking into what exactly makes Barstool controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, but it is it starts and ends with him. Yeah, because he he has openly used the N word yeah. before on a public platform and doubled down on it and stood by it. Yeah. Then, you know, made a podcast episode that had the N word in its title. That was an acronym. Right. Um, but you know, he's, he's always defended his, I'm sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, he has always defended his racist, homophobic and sexist actions and just completely it sometimes his excuse is you know a certain employees of his have come to him and said hey man i didn't like what you said and his response is well i make more money than you and i sign your checks shut up like literally yep those were his responses like this guy this guy is he it it starts at the top everything that is wrong with barstool it starts at the top and what i love about barstool is that without fail Every time someone calls them on their crap, they, without a doubt, almost immediately prove us all right. Yeah. They prove us right by jumping to their own defense, by doubling down on their comments, and by getting aggressively, uh, just uh, I shouldn't say aggressively, they get aggressive mm-hmm. in their response to anybody who criticizes them. They openly encourage their listeners to do the same. And this is what the this is the problem with Barstool. They encourage their listeners to harass anybody who criticizes them. What I loved about Portnoy's response was he said something to the effect of Gord. Uh, how, how did he word it? Gord, Gord attacked, attacked everything, everything I'm stand about. For. Yeah, yeah. Everything we stand for. He attacked everything I'm about. What Gord attacked was <laughs> rate was misogyny, racism, and xenophobia. And he attacked everything you're about. Really? Yeah, Dave what does Portland, that tell you? He said the quiet part loud, man. Yes, he did attack everything you're about, right? Like And he and, and Portnoy's gone on this tirade ever since saying, you know, Gord, come on, we'll have a discussion. But not in like like this is what kills me with Barstool. Every time they're called out, instead of saying, Okay, let's have a discussion, what is it about our platforms? 
that is controversial and how can we be better? It's, oh, c- come on here and we'll argue. We'll take right. you down. Get us, right? like, we'll get us clicks, go, get us bro. ratings, get us downloads, get us whatever. Exactly. And it's never, there's never a level of maturity. There is this ego that just bursts through the seams and gets uber defensive yeah. instead of actively listening to what the problem might be. Well, I'm so Lord per- forbid we get to the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Love that. Um, yeah. As you pointed out, I'm so glad you brought that up that, that later on Gord tweeted again, because again, he wasn't, he was fine with the guys who host the show. I've seen some people take issue with that. That's your own call. He didn't want to make it personal. Um, he just took a stance against the platform, but I'm glad you brought up the the point where he circled back and a bunch of people were coming at him and him saying, look, in regards to my earlier tweet that I, I don't want to support Barstool, I don't like their misogyny. I don't like their sexism. I don't like their xenophobia. And yeah, Dave Portnoy takes that and says, you're attacking everything we do. Oh, man. Dave, would you not like to look at yourself and just evaluate what this is? And this is it. Like, this is, unfortunately, um, the poster child organization for bro culture, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you come off like frat boys, except all your hosts, all your personalities are like mid-40s still trying to pretend they're college guys pledging a frat or something. And at some point, Dave Portnoy, who's offended and upset, in the end of one of his tweets, and, and they all your guys start, or all their guys start just attacking everyone who is against them, as you've pointed out. So Gord Miller says whatever, and his mentions, his tweets, his whatever, are just blown to pieces with why Gord Miller suddenly sucks. And one of Dave Portnoy's tweets actually ends with telling one of his meme people to attack. And then the very next tweet he sends is to Gord Miller saying, come on, we'll have a civil conversation. Civil conversations don't start with the word attack, right? Like you're clearly trying to rile up your own base to get everybody defending your crap again and then somehow also still pretend you're taking the high road. Um, the other thing we should probably mention here, and I don't want to give out her name um, just because to me, I was already pretty grossed out on how this has gone. Uh, Gord Miller has a teenage daughter who essentially tweeted that she was proud of her dad and grateful to have a father that would take the stance that he did. And all of a sudden, this teenage girl's mentions are full of men in their 40s who still think they're college frat boys telling her why she's just all the most horrible things you can imagine, um, all kinds of stuff. Better. So these are the type of people who associate themselves with Barstool, who have the time out of their day to attack a teenage girl, despite being a middle-aged man. Um, and again... Thank you for proving us right. Yeah. This, every like, turn. Like literally every time they will without fail prove exactly what the problem is with Barstool. Yeah. It's this. It's the fact that you openly encourage your followers to attack people and that they then go and attack a 16-year-old girl. Yep. Dude, what are you doing? Right. And what I find so ironic in all this is 
their, their, their automatic responses to things are always, Oh, just relax. It's a joke. Or you can't say anything anymore. And yet they are hairline triggered Honestly. to everything. Like they get so offended at anybody calling them you out can't for the cancel smallest us. thing. You're trying to cancel. Gord didn't care about canceling you. He just said, no. I'm not going on. I don't and love the, it. The oh, hilarious part. Ugh. The hilarious part was when, uh, uh, Ray, Ryan Whitney. Yeah. Okay. I, I was thinking Ray Whitney. Ryan Whitney. I think Ray Whitney uh, shared a video. Countless cupboards. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> he shared a video the next day um, of himself at Disneyland because apparently you can just do that right now sure. um, for St. Patrick's Day with his infant son, saying how he does. He just doesn't care about Gord Miller. Why would he care about Gord Miller? People are asking me my thoughts on Gord Miller coming at Barstool Sports and that he won't come on Spitting Chicklets. Don't care. I'm at Disney World, St. Paddy's Day with this guy. What up, Wyatt? Gord Miller's got no clue what he's talking about. Zero. But you know what the greatest part about it is? We didn't even ask him to come on. Why would we have that guy on the show? All of a sudden, he's talking about he will never come on. Dude, we never asked you to come on. Gord Miller. But you took time out of your day to make this video while you're at Disneyland with your infant son. I took my kid to Disney World and took time out of that to send this video to prove I wasn't rattled. I didn't care. And and the premise of it was we did I miss the part where we invited you? Like that is disingenuously steering the conversation. No one said you invited him. He didn't claim that he should be on it and then wouldn't. Someone asked him a question and he said his answer. This whole thing is just so bloody disingenuous. And I I just, you know what? Like, I, I, I don't know. And I got to tell you, um, I was really, I don't know how strong I want to make. I was disappointed with how few of Gord's colleagues stood up with him or he was and it, and and his daughter who were being relentlessly attacked online. I don't I'll be honest with you, I don't know what I expected them to do. Mm-hmm. But and that's because half of them have been on spit and chicklets, right? I don't know how many of them know the entire history of Barstool. I don't want to let people off the hook who might know and be fine with it um how many just feel similar but a little less strongly than gord does in terms of the guys who actually host that show are good guys despite their affiliation i don't know how all that works but very few people you know publicly took a stand with gord and and it seems noteworthy here at this point that that a friend of both you and i one of the only people who I saw publicly take this was Ian Mendez and yeah. said anything that Gord is a stand-up guy with I'll stand behind Gord any day of the friggin' week. So I gotta tell you, I felt that much more you know, I was already confident in how I felt about it or whatever, but when I see a guy like Ian go, Yeah, no, that's the the right path you just go, Yeah. Like I th- these are the types of people that you would follow into battle for the right causes, right? And so yeah. this sucked. Like this whole thing sucked in terms of it was just an innocent question 
I don't even remember. I wonder if the person who tweeted and asked Gord the question. If like, do you tweeted. know what you started? Yeah, honestly, <laughs> you unleashed hell this week uh, for Gord and his daughter and, and whatever. But I was really disappointed with how few people um, in that kind of stratosphere of sports broadcasters in this country stood up and said, yeah, no, this is shit. And even if you didn't openly to come out and say, I'm against Barstool, to at least come out and say, Gord's a good guy. Gord is just speaking his piece. I, I, I support. There was very little of that. I thought that was really telling and, and honestly, uh, really disappointing. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And, and the, the thing that kills me on that one is like, it's never been easier to do that. Right. Like, like you have someone in a very, very high profile position who's got all the support and resources in the world and mm-hmm. Gord Miller standing up to Barstool. Like we've seen many people stand up to Barstool sure. who unfortunately just don't have that same kind of platform. Right. And it's, it, you know, it's easier to stand up to something like this when you've got someone like Gord Miller who started it, right? Yeah. Then you're just riding the coattails. It's never been easier to just say, yeah, I stand with Gord Miller and we know what you're saying in that. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows it. Everyone knows that this organization is this toxic cesspool of everything that is wrong with sports culture. And this was your opportunity to jump in and, and, and support your colleague here. And I, yeah, it's, it's, it's very disappointing. It's not surprising that Ian was one of the only ones to do it just based on who he is as a person. He's, you know, that's, that's who he is. He's going to stand up for what's right. And I was very happy to see that he did. And, you know, I, I, I understand why people are afraid to just based on my mentions yesterday. I get why you don't want to get involved in this. That's why I have always involved. Like when the whole NWHL thing happened with Barstool, like I tried to remain as supportive, but at the same time, moderately silent on Twitter. Cause I just didn't want to get into it. Yeah. I just didn't want to have Barstoolies in my mentions. It's a horrible thing. And that happened yesterday, but I'm, you know, you know, on, on, on local radio in Ottawa, sometimes I'm not a big media personality. If you're on TSN or, or Sportsnet or whatever, NBC and NBC and, and, you know, you have this platform and this support and, and, you know, generally you're probably supported by the, the same people who are jumping to the support of Barstool. You know, it's, it's a little less scary. I, yes. I don't blame anybody in a position of vulnerability here because it is a terrifying position to be in when, when they're coming at you. And like, I had it moderately in my mentions. Right. Well, I agree with you there in terms of if you are already in a position of some vulnerability, but the industry is full of white dudes. Exactly. You can, you can take the stand if you choose to, and you chose. Exactly. To. And, and people you know, to give, to give you an idea of what, what, what the stoolies do as they call them. Um, in your mentions, I literally had someone make a homophobic joke in defending Barstool as to whether or not they were homophobic. Yeah, it's it's like they want Just us no to call them the out. Irony at all, like none whatsoever. You can't write this. Like it is. Just- Barstool deserves free speech. They should be able to say whatever they want. All Gord says was he doesn't want to come on. Yeah, doesn't where's the free speech free- there? <laughs> Just no grasp of the irony at all. It's free speech until we disagree with you. Yeah. Like, it just, on, and you know, I won't even get into the spelling mistakes, but <laughs> <laughs> they that's, are also abound. 
<laughs> for sure. It's just an, anytime bar stool is wrapped up to, into anything, I half my brain turns off. Agreed. I can't do it. I'm so sick. I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of dealing with this. I'm so sick of people who belong in this industry being treated like they don't. And it's organizations like Barstool that do that. They perpetuate that and they encourage people. And I, I one other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, Julie DeCaro, mm-hmm. who is a uh, sports personality out of Chicago. Um, you may remember a couple, for those of you who aren't familiar with her, uh, a couple years ago, she was in a video with Sarah Spain where they did reading mean tweets to okay. women in, in sports media. Mm, um, I'll send almost, you the clip and we can, we can share it. I'll paste but it in here. I'm almost glad I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. Like, so the, the whole premise is they get their male colleagues to read mean tweets at Sarah and Julie to okay. them. And okay. Sarah and Julie have, have seen these tweets. They were well aware, but the men hadn't. And they start off kind of funny, like, you know, just your general mean tweets sure. that everyone can laugh at themselves for. And then they get into uh, rape and death threats. And it's like, it's, it's the reaction of the men being like, uh, do I say this? Like it's, it's, right. it is shocking. Right. And, um, anyway, like that video went viral, went viral a couple years ago. And, uh, so Julie, Julie takes a lot of heat because she, she is the first of, uh, of the first group to call out athletes in, in when they're in crappy situations, sure. like the whole Patrick Kane rape allegations thing. Um, you know, sh- she's not going to pull any punches. She's going to call out athletes for, for being in positions of privilege and getting, a, and yeah. oftentimes being able to get away with stuff. And she wrote a book recently um, and someone from Barstool read the entire book. The the book is about um, being a woman in sports media. Mm -hmm. And so naturally Barstool, I think, comes up at some point. So someone from Barstool or a loyal follower of Barstool read her entire book on a YouTube video. And then Barstool subsequently encouraged their followers to go and leave terrible reviews of this book. Hey, here's the book that you can read for free on YouTube. Right. You know, blatantly stealing her her own content. Mm-hmm. Um, go give it a crappy review. Let's get this thing ba- like like you know let's let's tear this book down. Um, and Julie shared a whole thread of of this earlier uh, yesterday. That, yeah. And we'll share that on our uh, social media stuff here. And this is this is the thing. Every time this happens, people go, "Well, show me the evidence of of Barstool harassing people." Here you go. That right there, that is a prime example of harassment. Right. And this is what they do every single time. Um, I, I bought Julie DeCairo's book. Or actually, my husband bought it for me today because he was so mad at the situation, <laughs> um, and I and we wanted to support her. So I cannot wait to read it and give it a wonderful review, as I'm sure I will. Um, We'll share a link to that yep. too. Pick it up. We buy will it, support her because it's, ugh, it's just, it's stuff like this. That makes me so it makes me, I don't blame anybody not wanting to come into this industry. If you're not a straight white dude. Yeah. Right. Like this is, it, it is organizations like them that make it impossible. And I'm so done with it. I, I'm anyway. with you. It's been, <laughs> no, this has been an infuriating week to just watch all the hypocrisy. Um, the irony, the just straight up bullshit to, I, I can't imagine, look, I'm the guy who, who has taken shit on this podcast before from, from sports fans and maybe fairly enough when I go, um, to watch the Oshawa generals, right. When I go home, that's my junior team. I can't boo Flint or Kingston or I will cheer like hell for the Jennies but I'm just not booing a teenager. I just can't, no. I can't get there. Right. Um, but 
to be a 35 year old, 45 year old, 55, whatever man clinging on to this frat culture and feeling the need to attack a 16 year old girl on Twitter. What has gone wrong in your life? How are you so broken that this is what you need to spend your time doing, right? And, and I, I, I'm totally with you on the the Julie DeCairo. Like, that's a shitty thing to do, to release their entire book on YouTube You read and, and encouraging people to ruin it. But at least, and believe me, I, I'm suddenly very cautious of what I'm about to say. At least that is a sports professional paid to, you know, like I... I'm just trying to, it's not okay. It's not a good thing to do. I'm not signing off on it. At least that is an adult who has chosen to go into a public industry. You are attacking a 16 year old girl who just happens to be the daughter of someone who said something you didn't like. Go fuck yourself. Right. You're oh, just God. like, it's just terrible. And, and again, like it is a prime example of everything that is wrong with them. Yes. Like, like they, they literally don't need to we, they make it so we almost don't need to make these arguments right like we sh- we need to and we should but they give us evidence they hand it to us on a silver platter like you're attacking a 16 year old girl right what is wrong you're a 40 year old dude what is wrong with you yeah get anyway. your shit together. we should try and get julie Ugh. on the podcast we should absolutely that'd we be should. fun let's see if we can i would love done. i would 100 love to do that um and she's an awesome follow on Twitter. She used to be a criminal defense lawyer. So whenever these cases pop up of athletes, you know, getting some hot water mm-hmm. and, and doing bad things and getting in trouble for it, she's got a great perspective on it because she literally used to do this. She used to defend these people and, and a public defender is for the people who usually can't afford lawyers. So like it's, it's, she's, she's a great follow on, on Twitter. I highly recommend it. So, follow Katie Strang too. So, what is your take on, and, and I said this, and I, I got a bit of a mixed reaction. I don't know if it's because I worded it poorly um, or I was just wrong. Um, Katie Strang is always the one seemingly breaking these stories on horrible. The, the, um, she was a part of the uh, the story out of the Arizona, uh, Arizona Coyotes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of not so good well, more than a couple uh, dudes across baseball. I, I forget the guy's name uh, came out of the Cleveland Indians, the New York Mets, and then down to where up. And I wonder, and I said this out loud on Twitter and I want to ask your opinion. Katie Strang is obviously a fantastic reporter, but what does it mean that it's always her? that finds these or reports these stories. Is she so much better of a reporter than all of her colleagues? Or is she the only one with a spine to come forward with the one, with what she's hearing and doing the work and following through what Katie Strang is doing needs to be done, but there's something about it. I got to be honest with you that, that feels weird that it's always her. And I, it, it almost makes me look at, her colleagues and go don't tell me you're not hearing some of this stuff right like am i off base like what's when i put that out there what's your kind of first blush on it that's a good question um and i've often wondered the same thing in that i i don't know that i have an answer it definitely seems and and, you know she did a number of interviews after the arizona coyotes Mm -hmm. piece which is amazing and if you haven't read it you should right um and she's she's very 
her, her editors trust her because she's very good at her job to go down these rabbit holes mm -hmm. because like she talks about how it, this basically started because she heard and, and, and I think it was reported that some members of the Arizona coyotes weren't getting their per DM pay in right. the bubble or something. Right. And that's what started all this. And she followed those breadcrumbs and, and went and wrote a story about it. And, you know, she wrote in the story, the fact that, you know, the GM threatened to her reputation yeah. um, in order to try and prevent her from writing the story and, and, and said that he would tell his colleagues about it and all this stuff. And, like you know, Bill she, Armstrong somehow is going to shut down Katie Strang. Like, Get out of here, dude. <laughs> and that's just it. I think, I think part of it is just like, she's, she's so well respected in her position and she's done such great work in the past that she knows she's going to do a good enough job. That's going to be backed up by her colleagues. Right. And, and her, her, she talked about the fact that her editors put, you know, full uh, faith in her because she's, she's proven that in the past. As to why other people aren't writing it, I don't know. Yeah, I wish I did. Yeah, um, because I, I let's just say this: the Arizona Coyotes piece made me wonder who else is working on something similar mm -hmm. about another organization. Because yeah. I think if you dig deep enough on several organizations, you right. would probably my whole find point. Why aren't we some, hearing this? Why and, is and, it only ever her byline? That it's a good question. I honestly, I I don't even know to speculate, but I hope that it's not i hope that if there are more stories like this out there we do start to see them from mm -hmm. like whether it's katie strang or other people sure i just want to start seeing more of these stories it, if that if that piece alone has proven anything it's that fans want this yeah. like that that piece went viral yeah, i guarantee you subscriptions to the athletic went through the roof for that yep and you there there are enough knowing what i know about the people who work for the athletic i have to believe that there are other people working on these stories so so we'll see you know maybe i hope i, so. I don't have a good answer for you i just other there's than the just fact something really to me yeah no and i hope that's all it is she's just better at everybody else than getting to the bottom of this unfortunately i'm not sure i totally believe that i think it's i think there are a lot of reporters out there who are hearing things and not reporting them to protect their sources or um I, I just don't believe it's as isolated to these couple of organizations that, uh, you know. Yeah. And, and the thing is in, in sports reporting, it really is like there's, n it's almost like the wild, wild west of what organizations can get away with when it comes to reporters. Right. Like I don't envy sports reporters at all, because if you step out of turn, like I have no doubt that you're, you're blacklisted. Yeah. Your sources are just, yeah, no, I'm out done. And, and then you've so are gotta you. <laughs> do your job. Like that's the thing. And and you know, Katie Strang is proof that you can do both. Sure. Right. You can you can report on the truth and and call out the the problems of the industry and still have evidently she has access to enough information to continue doing this. Um, which is good. And I hope that never changes. But agreed. I think I think that also kind of partially explains why we don't see more mainstream hockey men calling out Barstool because mm -hmm they're well connected yep. and they're afraid of losing their connection. I'm not excusing it. Like I, I oh, think God there comes you. a if point. Ryan Whitney won't talk to you anymore. You oh geez. Whatever will you do? <laughs> but there, you know, there comes a point where you have to, you, you, you have to make a choice about where, what side of the argument you want to be on, what side of history you want to yep. be on. And that's your choice. But you know, I, I hope 
I hope that more people start making the right one. We'll remember. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. Exactly. We will remember. Um, and, you know, just kind of in this similar vein, I wanted to bring it up. It, it started making its rounds on, on social media today. And I'll admit, like, this is, I, I don't know if it's unverified, but um, someone shared on Instagram and then it was, it was free fra- freeze framed and, and shared all over Twitter, uh, including by uh, Alicia Clark of the WNBA, mm-hmm. the two images. One is of the weight room for the NCAA March Madness tournament of the men's side. And one is the weight room on the women's side. We will share this for context, but basically one looks like the largest and nicest gym you've ever seen. And one looks like uh, a weight tree that you spent $40 (laughs) on, on Amazon and a table (laughs) with some mats. I'll let you guess as to which one is which. (laughs) Obviously the men's side is the one that looks like an LA fitness. Um, Sure. And this is just like, I, I, again, it only just kind of got released a, a couple hours ago and it's, it's making its rounds and people are rightfully outraged if this is the case. And I want, I do want to make sure it's verified, but if this is the case, <sighs> come on, man, this is, this is, it is 2021. How are we still doing this? How are women still Girls don't Not need getting, gyms, do they? No, dude, uh, yeah. girls don't need to work out at all. We're just naturally strong, apparently. And it's things like this that, listen, I, I do not buy into the argument of, oh, men's sports is just more entertaining because that is objectively untrue. Um, <laughs> but if you're going to compare apples to apples and you're going to make some sort of ridiculous comparison between men's and women's sports, you can't do that right now when the resources that they have access to are this far apart. You've never, like, do, s- sorry. No, just do, do not tell me that, Oh, well, men's hockey is just better when men are paid millions of dollars to play hockey and women have to have second jobs. Right. Right. They can't dedicate every minute of their waking out uh, every waking hour to training because they also have to work when they're both provided with the resources to dedicate all of their time to their respective sports you know, then we can have a conversation. I think it's a moot conversation. Why do we need to? But you know, it's, it's, it's whenever I see things like this, that argument immediately pops into my head. And I go, if, if you ever made the argument that men's sports is somehow more entertaining or better than women's, you go look at this picture and tell me that they are given, they're not given the same starting point. You have never seen, I promise you, and we will, share these photos as well at all our social media spots. You have never seen a more stark contrast in the value being placed on one side over the other. It's, it's legitimately like you said, here's an LA fitness and I don't, here's a box of encyclopedia Britannica's that you guys can lift over your head a couple times. Like that's what you're staring at here in terms of, of differences and to think that one side is being treated that much differently than the other. I know a lot of guys, I know a lot of guys who want to just flush that away and say, it's not that big a deal. It's not that you will never see a more crystal clear indication of what one side is dealing with over the other. And if you want one to grow an audience, if you're trying to help boost you know, and, and get the other to the same place, you could start with allowing at least a similar level of training facility, like at the bare minimum. Um, 
make it look somewhat similar. Like, make it look like you're trying this or was, something. This was jarring when you sent it to me. I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I can't believe. Uh, let me ask you, um, men's or women's, is 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 March Madness a, a thing for you? Do you get into it each year? <sighs> I watch it. I don't make brackets. No, I don't either. Because I don't know enough. Like, I don't I'll know look, if I make. Exactly. Like, I, if I make a bracket, it's like, well, this team is number one and this team's number 16. So I'm going to go with the higher seed like right. every single time. That is the bracket I'm going to make. It's like the computer generated bracket. Right. And maybe I'll get crazy and pick a five over a four somewhere in the middle. Yeah, right? like, yeah that's, that's as wild <laughs> as it gets. But like, inevitably, whatever I pick will get just absolutely decimated in the first game. So right. I, I don't bother with any of that, but I'll watch it. Like it's, it's one of those things where, especially now that I'm working from home, mm-hmm. you know, I'll probably throw it on in the background because the games are so quick that it is kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but I do, I, I will admit, I do play place more of an emphasis on the women's game than mm-hmm. I do the men's game. Um, I have an equal knowledge of both. I think like I don't, I don't follow college basketball well, that's the at other all? part of it for me is like I'm at best a casual basketball fan, whether it be NBA or or WNBA. Now we're down to college. I just I I get this is supposed to be a big deal. I'm supposed to host a sports show. I'm supposed I don't know, right? Like I'll watch a couple of games. This is already on the outskirts of my level of interest. And now you're really stretching that to want me to sit down and watch um, whatever UConn versus it's just it it's this huge thing every year. And I used to get and, and right now, you know, we all have our Facebook memories, right? This many years ago today. And so we're into this kind of time period. And I used to I, I can see I was very indignant. Like, why not watch? The OHL playoffs, which are normally on by now, right? Why not watch um, around this time of year was the CIS basketball championships every year. And we never pay attention, right? We, uh, you know, the, the, the championship game, which was basically always Carlton versus whoever, probably Halifax or whatever was going to go on there. But we didn't care, but we still have like thousands upon thousands of Canadians who get into March Madness. And it used to bug me just on like a patriotic thing. Like we have young people here playing sports that you don't watch. And I, I, I just, I, I think it's this combination of basketball not really being my thing and, you know, it being this difference between American university sports and Canadian kids playing whatever. I've just never been able to, it's one of those things every year. Same time, same thing as when the World Cup rolls around. I'm like, I'm really gonna try. I'm gonna get into it this time, and I follow it for like a weekend, and just like, I don't care. Like, (laughs) yeah, I can't do it. And I usually do the same with, yeah, like that's every year with March Madness. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll watch it this year, and then a couple days, and I'm like, okay. Oh, I I remember. (laughs) I don't care. Um, I will add, uh, it, it just got posted on Twitter, but the uh, uh, Lynn Holzman, the NC- VP of women's basketball for the NCAA, released a statement in a- acknowledging this this picture that circulated. So I'm going to read it if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so she says, we acknowledge that some of the amenities teams would typically have access to have not been available 
inside the controlled environment. In part, this is due to the limited space of the original and the original plan was to expand the workout area once additional space was available later in the tournament. However, we want to be responsive to the needs of our participating teams and we will actively we are actively working to enhance existing resources at practice courts, including additional weight training equipment. Where was this before? Did you not think that your your basketball players would need to train? Is it just a coincidence that the men got the good one and the women got the shitty one? Like and you like got there, like somebody like flip a coin. If the women lost, and you're okay, so right but... with the 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 uh, contrast. Like this is not just a couple extra weights. No. This is this is literally like in LA Fitness versus. I've I've seen hotel gyms that are way better than what the women have. This is an LA Fitness versus something you bought on Amazon at the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> to stay in shape. This is not even which close. now has your laundry hanging on it. At least make the statement say something like, "You know what? We messed up, and this isn't fair. Well, and like, we will make it better." Don't a, give me this joke. BS. What a joke! Tell me this is because of spacing. Come on. Yeah. Cool. Uh, then the then the men's whatever commissioner arrived the women's commissioner arrived we flipped a coin sorry the men got the shitty one this year never happened never happened this is not a an oversight this is not a this is a value that someone has placed on this and it's garbage absolutely this this needs to be fixed like fix it i don't care how you do it fix it but don't give me this bs that it's because of spacing come on this was an over a gigantic oversight that yeah, needs to be it. rectified oh anyway do we have time i'm so mad oh have, <laughs> so, well go I, for it. I think on the way out do we have time to talk about the blues and uh yes let's talk about some good Yes. women's hockey news let's yes. do that um the pwhpa announced on thursday that they are going to ha- add an extra stop to the secret dream gap tour and they are heading to st louis they've also within laugh. this I'm sorry i still laugh every i i know secret deodorant is the sponsor i know it feels but like it's we should be like, talking about it this is the tour only some people get to know of it 100 <laughs> every time i type it out i'm like is this a speakeasy password right. what is this <laughs> Uh, but the Dream Gap Tour will be stopping in St. Louis, and and the St. Louis Blues have uh, in in doing that formalized a partnership with the PWHPA. So it's you know we've seen Chicago and New York do it, we've seen Calgary and uh, Montreal and Toronto formalize partnerships. We haven't seen Dream have Gap we? Tour stops there. Well, yeah. So fill me in. I didn't know about Montreal and Calgary to be honest with you. I I believe. Oh, I guess I knew I, about Calgary. Yeah. So like, and I don't know the extent to the formalization of these partnerships. Okay. I just know that they, they, um, cause I think the Jeff Merrick ago, tweet that I saw was that St. Louis was the fourth team to formalize behind New York, Toronto, Chicago, St. Louis. Um, yeah, they're again, Calgary, like the, I know is doing something. Um, they they created a, a red PWHPA sweater specifically for Calgary. Oh, nice! And and there may be you're right. There may be more like a, a different level of formalization. Sure. Um, but That's I know that Jana Hefford has talked about looking at uh, d- doing some Dream Gap tour stops in tr- in Canada, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being like that is that is a formal partnership that they've arranged. But I right. know that they've worked with the Canadians. I know that they've worked with the the Flames. So okay. yeah, I think I think in terms of formal partnerships, St. Louis would be uh, would be number four. But um, it sounds like they're going to be the third stop of the Dream Gap tour for this year, anyway. 
Uh, so that's, that's really exciting. And anytime we get to see more teams joining on and supporting uh, the PWHPA in some fashion, I think it's a great, uh, a great thing. And we, on the, on TSN 1200 this week, we talked to Kendall Coin Schofield. About, I, I, I'm, um, I'm going to stop you there. Cause I don't want you to glaze yeah. over this at all. I thought that that interview that you and, uh, and our buddy CJ, Chris Stevenson, friend of the show, uh, I will stop here. Uh, I had a friend of mine send me a, or a friend of the show send me a text the other day that said, as vaccines are coming and stuff, you need to start going through the TCA Rolodex and determining, and he put in quotes, your most experienced friends of the show instead of oldest friends of the show as people who will be vaccinated first and are the first to be safe to return to the studio. Um, <laughs> so I, I sent that to CJ and uh, he had a good laugh and said, I'll, I'll let you know when I get the jab because he's also a big craft beer guy. But the, the interview that you and CJ did on Tuesday, I believe it was um, with Kendall coin was awesome. I thought that was a, yeah. a on TSN 1200. I thought you guys asked some really pertinent questions, a nice balance between where's the sport going, uh, but also some, some lighter hearted stuff. I, I thought that was a really enjoyable interview that both you guys did. So I, I know you were going somewhere there. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have probably interrupted no. exactly where I did, but I thought that was a fantastic interview. It is available um, on the in the box feed under TSN 1200 on your podcast app and uh, and uh, Michaela and, and and CJ had a, an awesome interview with her so go check that out if you haven't yet you can always interject with saying how awesome I am I will always <laughs> accept that no, no complaints here but yeah it was it was a great conversation she talked about what it was like to score a goal um, on uh, at the United Center which mm-hmm. she did as a kid yeah. uh, as part of the Junior Hawks program which was really cool she shared that video on the morning of the the first game at the United Center so that, it was a really great interview she's she's such a uh, just really, really smart hockey mind. Right. Um, also the fastest woman on skates. I and mean, she was milliseconds behind Connor McDavid in the uh, fastest skater competition yep. at the all-star game a couple of years ago. And I've always put it this way as a Canadian hockey fan, always hated her. So that should tell you how good she is because <laughs> she plays for team USA and she terrifies me. But um, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Sure. But, I, uh, she, she's also a, a new part owner of the Chicago red stars of the NWSL. So she talked a lot about, you know, why it's important to invest in women's sports. And it's just a great interview. She's, she was an absolute treasure to talk to. Um, so I highly recommend, yeah, go check that out. And, and, uh, you know, the, the PWHPA just keeps given the pandemic and everything that all leagues have gone through, I've, I've really worried about women's sports. Um, and the PWHPA has in the, especially in recent weeks, just continued to, um, make news and, yeah. and formalize partnerships with NHL teams and, and f- set up these events. And I, I expect, and you know, when it's safe to do so, they'll do the same in Canada because w- with these dream gap tours, we're still only seeing American players for the right. most part. Yeah. And we're not seeing half of the greatest players in the world. And, and that includes players like Marie-Philippe Poulin, mm-hmm. who we're very familiar with, right? Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes out. And uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've just, I, I, love, I love seeing this. Every, every time we, we get a little bit of news like this, it just makes me very hopeful for the future. Well, do you think as we kind of see the Blues sign up, the Rangers are signed up, the Blackhawks are signed up, the Leafs are signed up, obviously the Habs and, and Flames if not signed up on the verge of being signed up. The big talking point has always been, especially in this split between the PWHPA um, and the NWHL and trying to 
you know, have one pro league and what that's going to look like. The thing a lot of people keep talking about is that the NHL doesn't want to get involved and step on a league that already exists. That being, of course, the NWHL. Um, maybe the PWHPA is more interested in a more sustainable, in their opinion. Um, I'm not looking to take sides on that issue because I'm not nearly well informed enough to do so. Um, but having the NHL get involved and, and be a sponsor or, you know, help put that league together and, and that they don't want to do so and and be looked at as as stepping on a league that already exists. And I think that's fair. Um, although I, you know, think there's some conversations to be had. I wonder, in your opinion, as we see now, at minimum, six teams, if not signed, or six NHL cities and organizations, if not signed up, on the verge of being signed up, if this doesn't, at some point, force the NHL's hand, right? You have six teams, uh, six NHL organizations saying, we're partnering with this organization while the NHL is trying not to step on the other organization. Do you think the end game is being pushed into the NHL's lap you know, quicker than they thought it might be or more than like you're seeing teams that are just saying, no, we want to support this. We want to be a part of this. We want to, and you know, maybe getting the NHL involved is the thing that forces the NWHL to the table. Like, I don't know how you want to present it in terms of strength or who's doing what, but the more NHL organizations that keep signing up at some point, I think this has to push it to a head, doesn't it? Yeah, and what exactly that's going to look like, I don't yeah. really know. But CJ brought up a great point on the show this week where he said, like, this is just growing pains. Like, we saw this with the with hockey when we had the WHA and the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we had two leagues that amalgamated. We've we've seen it in in every major sport, really. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm not too worried there. Like, I think this is just the natural growth of the sport. I think. The PWHPA is obviously an association hoping to start a a, a sustainable league. So there's there's an argument to be made that there are two they are two different things, Um, and the the players from the NWHL just the the PWHPA just chose not to play in the NWHL. So I think the NHL is making somewhat of a clear statement in that their individual teams are supporting the PWHPA. But we've also seen like the the Buttes the Buffalo Buttes of the NWHL. Mm -hmm were owned by the Pagulas. I don't know that they are anymore, but you know that they were well associated with the Buffalo Sabres. So, you know, it's, that's a little different because the teams are, are owned independently. Well, what do you make of, what do you make then? Um, there isn't a a new NWHL team in Toronto, the Toronto six, um, kind of like that name, kind of like their logo, kind of like everything they got going on there. When they came in, the social media feeds around the Toronto Maple Leafs did essentially nothing. Didn't really welcome them, didn't really acknowledge them. Um, Many of the Leaf blogs and uh, online communities uh, did welcome them, acknowledge them, but the Leafs official site did not. And then you see the Leafs signing up to be part of this PWHPA thing. Is there anything to be read into that? Like, were they wrong to not like to me, you can acknowledge both, but you're forming this partnership. Like it does feel like 
you're picking sides a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and that's all, that's going to be the rhetoric that's used in that situation because it often has been very much like PWHPA versus the NWHL. And again, like I've always looked at it as just, this is, this is the natural progression of the growth of the sport. I, I do believe that we need one league to, to grow the sport in a, in an efficient way. But and there I think was no we're heading not to at least no. welcome to Toronto or, and I, I don't know, you know, what, what is their agreement with the PWHPA right. stipulate? Right. Like, and I don't know, I honestly don't no. know, but maybe part of it is, is it something to do with, you know, us being the only women's hockey association exclusively backed by the center of yeah. the hockey universe. And I thought I thought I saw Toronto ch- share something on Twitter cheering on the six when the playoffs oh, started. Maybe but I they could did. be wrong. When they first came in, there was nothing. Maybe once. Yeah, the playoffs no, got there's in. never been anything formal. But I know I saw a number of of uh, NHL teams voice their support for their respective NWHL okay. teams yeah. when the playoffs started. Yeah. Again, don't quote me on it, but I, I I know at least a handful of teams did. I think Toronto was one of them. Okay, but you know it's it's never been anything formal, and the, and they had a formal partnership with the um, Toronto Furies of the yes, CWHL. Yep. So you know, take from that what you will. Yeah, but, no, uh, the Leafs are not certainly uh, uh, and and with Milhouse at the helm there, um, <laughs> Kyle Dubas. He they're not against yes. women's hockey. They are very progressive, no. very supportive. I did find it interesting, at least at the time, that they didn't welcome the six to the market and yet did have this partnership with the Pito. So who knows, like you said, what business agreements are in place, what exclusivity deals exist. I I, I don't know. Um, and, and maybe further on once the, the league got up and running. And, and I guess we haven't mentioned it. We should quickly, before we wrap up, they did. Uh, they are going to finish their playoffs. The uh, NWHL um, yep. had to call it off. The uh, the bubble burst when they had it going there in terms of people getting the COVID and everything going on. So they shut her down, wrapped her up. But they are going to bring the. I think it's the final four um, back and and finish the season, which is great news. Yeah, absolutely. It was a unfortunate. Um you know, turn of events, but uh, it, it's nice to see that they're going to be able to pick things up again. And at the end of the day, like, I just want to watch some women's hockey. Sure. Like, let's yeah, just let's let's put something on TV, right? And and we've had the, the Dream Gap Tour showcases, which has been awesome, yeah. and and broadcasts on, on national levels, which has also been helpful. So um, I think we're, I'm, I'm just looking forward to more of that, whatever that looks like. Totally. All right. Well, that seems like a, a good place to, to wrap things up on a positive note because- yes. God damn it. We'll talk about something <laughs> positive today. Um, oh, I know, I know you talked about your thoughts on, uh, on, on your, the beer that you were drinking mm. uh, earlier. I did hear you crack a second can. Did you go with number two? I did. Same one. Really enjoyed Same one. this one. Yeah. Did it get better with time? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I would say good. it did. Uh, this beer is, often uh, does. <laughs> yeah. As the bus hits you, this isn't so bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is better than the, uh, than the Lake of Bays. Um, through the pandemic, we've all had some friends who will grab you by the hand and say, we're going to get through this together. Uh, Five Paddles Brewing has been one of those friends for me through the, <laughs> the second half of the pandemic. They have had some great beers. Um, and if someone were to ask me tomorrow, you know, you're f- currently your favorite craft brewery, it would be hard not to say Five Paddles. So. Oh, really? Oh, that's a bold claim. Well, we'll see next week. Somebody Do, else will hit me with something awesome. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, if it's you ask me target. that question, yeah, it, my answer changes every week. 
I'm going to have the, like, uh, like, the tiramisu stout here coming up. You have to try it. I want to hear your thoughts. I'm too afraid to try it myself. Tara, <laughs> Tara Matthew stout. That's what we're going to do. There it is. That's <laughs> the name of the show. That's how we have to wind this one down because when I have hit puns of that low quality, that <laughs> wordplay, that poor, it's time to go. We're out of here, folks. All right. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tallcan Audio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shrides or Screeds, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. And we will see you next time on Tallcan Audio. Tara Matthew. Did you see that? Yep. There's an hour you're never getting back. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize. To absolutely nobody! The double tap does what the f he wants! Uh, okay, I'm gonna call that a wrap. You can find tons more TCA at tallcanaudio.com. Ba-dum-bum.